Welcome to the CLB Forge Podcast. This is the show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Here are your hosts, Pastor Mike Natal and Dr. Ryan Nilsson. Welcome to the show today, everybody. Great to have you here for episode 39. Today we have a special guest. He is a, a missionary in Taiwan, Reverend Ben Hosh. Thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. I think you are our first literally international podcast right now. Woo. So, I mean, because oh, like yeah. you are in Taiwan. I am in Taiwan. I don't think we've had any guest who has been overseas, correct, Ryan? I think that's true. All right, great. So let me do a little uh, bio for Ben so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better, and then we'll get into the question. So Ben is born and bred Minnesotan. He has an associate degree in music from M State in Fergus Falls, a bachelor's in youth ministry from the University of Northwestern St. Paul, and is a 2016 graduate of the Lutheran Brethren Seminary. He served as associate pastor at Stavanger Lutheran Church in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, and interim pastor at Ebenezer Lutheran Brethren Church in Rolette, North Dakota. He and his family have been with the Lutheran Brethren International Mission. If you'd like more information about them, you can visit their website on lbim.org. Since about 2018, serving in Taiwan. He is currently now in language study for Mandarin Chinese, and his family attends Jubei Victory Church. Did I pronounce that right? Jubei. Jubei Victory Church. You got the tones right too. Great. Hey, I'm trying my best. You know, I actually, I looked up on Google how to pronounce that and it was like, <laughs> nope, nope, just figured it out. So I was like, all right, fine. He's married to Sarah and together they currently have four children, but soon to be five. So congratulations. Thank you. And Ben loves the mountains and the coasts of Eastern Taiwan. He loves stinky tofu. One of the things that I've really wanted to try myself, but haven't had the opportunity to. Oh, you got to come. I will have to come and visit in order to get myself some stinky tofu. He loves exploring the intersections between Taiwanese culture and Christian faith in order to find fresh ways to share the gospel in Taiwan. You can follow his family's adventures on their Facebook page, and you can look it up by searching Hoshes in Taiwan. And if you ask what he would choose between Star Trek and Star Wars, which is one of our famous questions that now that I'm thinking about it, we forgot to ask Dan Venberg that. So we might have to retcon that backwards, Ryan, in order to figure out which when he prefers, Ben would emphatically choose neither <laughs> and instead choose Dune, the greatest, literally he says this, the greatest sci-fi novel of all time. It's pretty much agreed upon. It's the greatest sci-fi novel of all time. Pretty much agreed upon. Ben, we are so happy to have you. Uh, listeners, please welcome Ben Hosh. Thank you. Great to be here. How you doing, Ben? I'm, it's 12 o'clock, so. 12 o'clock, what time? Like a.m. or p.m.? In the a.m., in the a.m. So it's literally midnight there. What year is it there? What year is it? Court. What year is it? <laughs> like Taiwanese year? I'm a little fuzzy on how the time zones work. It's the year 109 here, but that's according to when Sun Yat-sen abolished the Chinese imperial system. Wow. Oh, yeah. okay. Can you tell us who won the 2020 Super Bowl? Or I mean, 2021 Super Bowl. Who won the 2020 Super Bowl? I'm only 14 hours ahead of you. I'm not there. <laughs> oh, you're only 14 hours ahead. So you're not quite there. So this isn't like one of those scenes from uh, Back to the Future where like we can figure out who won all that stuff. You can't tell us any of that stuff. No spoiler alerts. No. NBA is big here, but like football, they just don't know what to do with. <laughs> okay. So. 
<laughs> nice. Well, thank you for staying up late with us to record this podcast. We really appreciate that. You're welcome. Ben, as we get started here, love to hear a story from your life. Could you tell us about a person in your life who had a big impact on your discipleship journey? Can you tell us a little bit about what made them special? Yeah, I would think there's actually two, would cool. be two people, and they're both my grandfathers who are both with the Lord and eagerly awaiting the resurrection of the dead. My maternal grandfather was just a man that very down to earth, talked with all his grandkids really just about faith a lot. I mean, he was had a lot of struggles in his life, health struggles mostly, but his life was just a testament of how Jesus brought him through. So, I mean, we as his grandkids would just hear these stories over and over again, like they're just still a part of our conversations with each other. You know, I think when somebody passes away, like everybody says they were a good man, but I think in my grandfather's case, like I think that's the best thing you could say about him. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was a good man. He owned a super value grocery store on Lake Street in Minneapolis, probably not far from where the George Floyd riots happened. So just in that area, I mean, riots were happening there Hmm. in the 60s as well. And he would tell us about those things. He just was very involved. He just gave a lot to his church, befriended the pastors there, and just was a really good support system for them. So my grandfather is just very much a part of my life for that fact, just that his faith was so integral to him. And he was just a working man, blue collar kind of guy, just lived out his faith. My paternal grandfather was a man of faith, but really on on the extreme opposite end. Uh, He was actually the Old Testament professor at Lutheran Brethren Seminary from 1977 to 1988. Published a lot of articles, almost had a book published. Just really, the Word of God was his life, and he was pretty much studying it and translating and doing commentary work up until the week that he died. Wow! I really got to know him better during my time in seminary because I would send him my papers, and I would call him just to talk about things we were discussing in class and to get his opinions, his thoughts on different interpretations, different theological topics, and just letting my grandpa feed into me that way, something I never had with him before. You know, maybe once in third grade, he bought us all a Bible. And I was just so jazzed about this Bible that I like brought it to school and was like, had it for show and tell, showing everybody this Bible that my grandfather got me. I still have it. In fact, when I flew home for his funeral, which wasn't long after we arrived in Taiwan, I mean, that was the Bible I used to read scripture as I preached at his funeral. So both my grandfathers were just an enormous part of my life. And I think just had very big impact and in very many ways just kept me in the faith into which I was baptized. Yeah, that's great. And it seems like they both uniquely spoke into your life in two totally Mm -hmm. different ways too. I'm not saying polar opposites, but they both came at life from a different angle and it's shaped you into the individual that you are today. And so that's tremendous to hear about that. And I'm sure both of them have molded you or have given you ways of seeing the gospel and sharing the gospel and even making Mm -hmm. disciples with other people. I'm sure having that time with your grandpa during seminary that he could pour knowledge into you is something that you'll value for the rest of your life, which is tremendous. Well, he called me one day and he said, hey, I want to give you a few books. I said, I'll take them. (laughs) And so he was just running through titles and it was like, oh yeah, I'd like that one and I'd like that one. So we were living at Hillcrest Lutheran Academy at the time. And so I come back from class and step into the office and they're like, hey, there's like a bunch of boxes here for you. And I'm looking over at the wall and the wall's just like stacked, like floor to ceiling. There's these nine boxes. I'm just like, what in the world? What in the world is all of this? So I 
took it all upstairs. And like, I mean, he just, it wasn't a few books. Like he bequeathed to me his whole physical library. So yeah, that's so great. And I'm sure that it brought him so much joy to know that those books that he utilized now you'll utilize. And then who knows down through the generations, it might be something that you pass down too, and they'll continue to be used and stay in the family. So that's pretty cool. But what's important, Ben, is that when you pass the stack of books, the stack of boxes is a little bit higher. It's a little bit right. Yeah, it is. A little bit higher than when you got the stack, yeah. Hey, Ben, was your grandpa Harold Hosh? He was Harold Hosh, yes. Okay. I bet a lot of our listeners and viewers remember yeah. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get that all the time oh, yeah? whenever I meet people. People would say, I had your grandfather in seminary or I had your grandfather. at." So before he taught at LBS, he taught at Athelbus. Mm. Oh, okay. Way cool. Ben, too, uh, before Mike goes on, you're not the only one who we've heard tell a significant discipleship story about a grandparent. Mm. That's a fascinating theme I've seen come out of the show is how how many grandparents are able to play such a key, pivotal disciple-making role in the lives of their grandkids. So I just hope that gives hope and excitement and encouragement for all kinds of grandparents out there. That's a real calling and it works. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. Yeah, And a lot of times the way that people talk about the impact that their grandparents have had on their lives, it's not in like intentional ways that their grandparents would be like, oh yeah, I remember when I purposefully did that in their life and hoping that it would impact them for X, Y, But people literally just sharing like they lived it out. We were able to be a part of that and they included us in it. And that's what impacted us. And I think that that's what's really cool about having like guests on who share about how family members have impacted them because it's not in intentional ways. It's in ways where they're just allowing the light of Christ to kind of exude out of them, which is tremendous. Ben, can you share with our listeners how you experienced your call to be a missionary? You know, maybe part of it is just in my blood. My grandfather, Harold, his wife, my grandmother, her parents were actually missionaries with Christian Missionary Alliance in Ecuador. So I'm here in Taiwan. My uncle is here in Taiwan, and he's been here in Taiwan for over 30 years. My cousin and her husband served in Taiwan for about 10 years. I mean, there's just missionaries in my family. But I think if you would have asked me, if you would have told me like in high school, oh, you're going to grow up and be a missionary, I probably wouldn't have believed you or thought that was really (laughs) where my life would be headed. Maybe the start of it was, uh, so my wife and I newly married and we're attending University of Northwestern. At that time it was Northwestern College. Uh, so we had a class where representative from, I think, a mission organization that focuses on Europe. He was there just presenting in the class. It was just kind of like, hey, I'm here for the week. If you want to come talk to me, you can do so. And I think both my wife and I just like looked at each other and as he was presenting, I think it was like an opportunity in, in Bulgaria or someplace like that. But I think we just like gave each other that look of like, hey, do you want to do that? Like, you think we could do that? <laughs> nice. You know, we invited him over to our apartment just to get more of it. At the time, we just couldn't make the details work out. And at the same time, we just didn't feel uh, Europe would be where we ended up if we were in mission work. So again, our time at Northwestern, my wife, Sarah, did one of her internships with a ministry called the Hospitality Center for Chinese, uh, which is located right by by kind of the St. Paul part of the University of Minnesota campus. And so they work with Chinese international students who are coming to the U of M to work on advanced degrees, master's degrees, or more often than not, like a PhD. So they would match a Chinese student with kind of an American partner to be a friend, work on their English, learn about American culture, just to have a connection during their time in the US. So we made friends that way. They had a monthly gathering and 
we would go to that. We were very involved in that and just having a good time, just getting to know different Chinese friends. So when we ended up moving back to Fergus Falls, during that time, I was working in special education in the school system. So the school year was done and I just felt like, okay, it's time to go to seminary. And at the same time, I just had this feeling like, okay, if I go to seminary and seminary is done, where am I going to be? Like, I just had dreams of being in Asia and like talking with people about Jesus in a different language. And so that was kind of something it's like, I think we're going to be in Taiwan. So it's like, okay, how do I talk to my wife about we bought a house? I think it's time to go to seminary. <laughs> like, nice. So we went to Dairy Queen and, and I was like, I think we should talk about something. And she was like, yeah, I think it's time for you to go to seminary. And I was like, okay. And I said, when seminary is done, you know, we're not going to be here, right? She goes, oh yeah, we'll be in Asia. What? Yeah, way cool. Yeah. Wow. So that was just part of it. And then as I applied for seminary and was talking with Dr. VM, just getting that further affirmation of, oh yeah, by the time, if you started now, by the time you graduate, LBIM wants to put another missionary couple in Taiwan. All those things together, just starting in college, being like, do you think we could do that? Like, is that on your heart? Is that something you'd want to do? Being involved in a Chinese ministry and just having all those things work together. Only God can do that. Cool. How long have you been in Taiwan now, Ben? Almost two years. No, has it been two? It's been two years. Yeah, we came on. So today is what? December 15th? I don't know. You're broadcasting from the future, bro. That's right. Oh, it's it's December 16th right now. <laughs> Ask me any question about December 16th later, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, great. So we came on November 28th was when we landed in Taiwan. It's been two years. Wow. Ben, can you tell us a little bit about some of the blessings, now that you're two years into being an international missionary, what are some of the blessings and challenges of being an, an international missionary? Maybe we'll start with the challenges that might be easier. You know, obviously there's a challenge of, so, I mean, we really emphasize learning the language that people speak here. So our current missionaries like know Hakka, but they know Chinese as well. So the focus was, Hakka, which is not becoming our focus right now. So we're learning Chinese for now, maybe another language later, but we're just in this intense language study time, which is great, which is a lot of fun. And yet it's also just frustrating when we started. It's just like, there's two things that happen when you just do intensive language study. One is you're tired all the time. And the other is you're hungry. You're hungry all the time. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm not kidding. Your brain is just like consuming all your calories trying to learn this language. Can't tell you how many times I started my study at a university language center. So I'd walk there in the morning. I'm hungry. I just ate breakfast. So I just stop at 7-Eleven. I get a snack and then, you know, go to class and it's like, I get done. I'm hungry. I stop at 7-Eleven again, you know, <laughs> get something to eat. And then it's like, oh, it's lunchtime. So it's like, you eat like a hobbit. Nice. <laughs> Look at that. Dune, Lord of the That's Rings. Right. I'm impressed. That's right. Right. I so gotta hand it to you. Time for 11 Z's. Yep. <laughs> But along with that is just like trying to make this language work in your everyday life. You know, I live in a big city. It's kind of just normal life in a big city, except everything's in Chinese. So if I go somewhere else, you know, if I go to the bank, then I'm on my way to the bank thinking about, do I have the vocabulary I need to like do what I want them to do? I'm usually like running through wow. scenarios in my head. Like if they ask me this question, do I know how I will respond? Do I have the grammar? Do I have the vocabulary for that? At the same time, I'm like, I'm praying on the way to the bank. Please let the lady who you 
usually helps me with this be the person I get today because she'll just do everything for me. <laughs> yep. I'm like, please don't let the other guy that I've had before do this because I don't know what will happen then. So, I mean, there's just times that can be really frustrating or like, you know, sometimes you just have an off day where it's like Chinese just isn't working today. <laughs> English isn't working for me. It's broken. My first semester of Chinese study, I don't know, for whatever reason, like all my high school Spanish came back. That's all I had for a while was like high school Spanish. Nice. It's because you're dealing with people in another language and you don't quite understand why people do certain things. You know, they have a good reason for doing it, but you don't know what it is. So you're just getting frustrated. Like last month was, okay, I have to go to the immigration office and file my immigration papers for the year, but I forgot everything I need to make copies of. So of course I get the lady I got last time who's like, you know, last time was yelling at me, you need to make four copies of this. Go do it right now over there. That kind of thing. It's just like, oh man, I don't want to do this again, please. Thanks for sharing those like practical applications with us and our listeners. I'm sure that idea of like you going to the bank and just like that feeling of, I hope that I can have a conversation with the individual at the bank. I would almost guarantee that the vast majority of our listeners mm -hmm. have never felt that before in their entire life, which is just so interesting. I mean, that is one of the things and I'll be honest with you and totally transparent that had never even crossed my mind as a challenge or a difficulty for a missionary. But now that you've mentioned that, it's like, well, yeah, that would yeah. make sense. And that would give me some sort of anxiety and encourage me to really go to the Lord in prayer to pray for something that I might have never thought would have been in need. So like, Ben, if I can kind of put you on the spot and ask you, what has that been like for you to come into these type of situations where like before you moved to Taiwan, was that even something on your radar that you were going to have ideas like that where you're like, I don't know if I have the right vocabulary for that? Or are there other things that maybe you've seen or have done since then that you've really had to rely on the Lord for more than you thought you would have before you went overseas? I mean, it's basically everything here. Okay, I have to do life in another language. Language. But I yeah. didn't think through the ramifications of every aspect of what that means. Not until like missionary training, where they kind of fire those things at you. It's like, okay, you're going to have this situation, you're going to have this situation, you're going to have this situation, and do this. It's like, oh, there's a lot I haven't thought about. But then you can think about it there, and then it's a different thing, like when you're actually at the bank. Going to the grocery store is one thing, because it's like, I don't have to talk to anybody. It's just like you ring bring all this stuff up and I can look at the little screen and realize, oh, it's that much money. That's so interesting. So a lot of our listeners are from North America. And as they are listening, I would be encouraged to know, do you have any type of advice for individuals who are listening to this to minister to their own neighborhoods or their communities in North America? You know, I think every town has a pocket of somebody who comes from somewhere else. A lot of people, they just know their communities well enough that they don't know this group of people is here. You know, there's other places you can't ignore it. My first job was Walmart in Fergus Falls. At the same time, like we would get a lot of people shopping at Walmart who are Somali living in Pelican Rapids, you know, which is in far away. So I just remember having a conversation with one man there, like trying to, I think he wanted barbecue sauce, but the way he's trying to describe it to me, it's just like, I, I wouldn't think he's asking me, where's the barbecue sauce? I'm trying to be patient with him and trying to figure out, you know, what is he telling me he wants in the English that he has? You know, a lot of times that people wouldn't have time for that. And it's the same thing here. Like I get the same thing. I can say something, you know, when you learn a language, there's like no end to the stupid things you can say, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so you're talking with somebody and it's just like, they have no clue what you're talking about. But every now and 
and again, you find a person who's patient with you is willing to kind of figure out what you're trying to say. Yeah. You know, Chinese is a, is a tonal language. There's four tones. So you can say the same syllable four different ways and it's a completely different word. So if my tones are wrong, like, of course, people don't understand what I'm saying. It just sounds sometimes just like nonsense to them. Yeah. That's amazing to kind of bring things full circle in terms of like your own experiences in Taiwan have kind of colored your interpretation of mission for individuals in North America in terms mm -hmm. of like, there are people here in North America that are struggling in the same way that you have had difficulties in Taiwan. And we as Christians have the opportunity to be patient with them, to reach out to them and to see, you know, what they're going through. You know, Ryan, one of the things that I really think about is Elroy and the way that he is ministering to that couple in Fargo who have a difficulty with a language barrier. And he's gone over and above to interact with mm -hmm. those people to help them, to get them the help that they need, not to get anything out of it, but just to allow the gospel to be proclaimed to them in a personal way by just mm -hmm. showing them grace. And so I think as I'm hearing you talk, Ben, and as you're interacting with other people, one of the biggest influences that you've had are the people who are patient with you, the people who are extending grace to you as you're learning this language, as you're trying to express yourself in ways that they can understand you and that you can be understood. And I think that that is, that's a powerful representation of what mission work is all about, is embracing that idea and finding those people. And I think for us, we take a lot of that for granted in the States because we don't some people just don't want to think like that where they're like, oh, no, 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 you need to if you don't speak English, you go over there and you find help from other people who speak your language as opposed to being like, hey, let's be patient and interact with those people in ways uh, in which they feel welcomed, they feel valuable, they feel like they're being heard. And that's a great way to facilitate the gospel. And I think that that's tremendous. And it sounds like you're living that out. And as you get more comfortable with the language, I think that will be a powerful way that the Lord is going to use you moving forward too, which would be great. Mm -hmm. I'm really encouraged to hear that. And you really kind of brought a different spin on things that me personally, I hadn't even thought about before. So thank you for bringing that up. So what was the other part? Blessings? Yeah, we kind of, I was just <laughs> going to say, we kind of skipped right over that. What are some of the things that you love about it? What are the blessings? I think just on the, on the opposite side, when you find that using the language to make like a deeper connection with somebody. So, I mean, the one thing I've really struggled with here is just when I started my language study at the language center, which, you know, after a while, it's just like, it just wasn't feasible for me anymore. Because the biggest thing I just, I wasn't getting was speaking time and speaking with somebody. So that was my constant failing throughout those courses. I have a friend who he's one of the professors at China Lutheran Seminary, which is really close to us, a German missionary, and just asked him, you know, if, if you know a student who'd be willing just to practice talking, that would just be really helpful. And so I got connected with a student who she has since graduated from there. She's really just like become my Taiwanese little sister, just the way that relationship has come, you know, started. And it's just like, I'm fumbling and just having her be like, here's this grammar. Like, I understand it. Now I need to use it. Help me use it in a way that is the right way to use it. Because you can use grammar any way and people listen to it and be like, I know what you're saying, but that just sounds a little off. So just having that kind of connection was just, there was 
was a set agenda of like, I need help with these grammatical concepts, or I need help with this area of vocabulary. To now it's just like, sometimes I have an agenda. It's just like, hey, help me go through this passage in the Bible. Or, you know, before it was, hey, help me go through the Lord's Prayer. Help me go through the Apostles' Creed. Now it's usually we just already have things to talk about when we meet. She's just a part of our lives, you know, a part of my wife's life as well, part of our kids' lives, like they love her. There's a blessing making a connection with somebody who's a Christian and just having that kind of support there. You know, on the opposite end is, you know, my wife's teacher who's not a Christian. But again, kind of the relationship is the same way. Like, I mean, she's my wife's teacher, but like our kids love her. She has, you know, just a great relationship with us. And, you know, because of that, because she knows her missionaries, like times she just asks us questions about our faith or asks us about, like, I've heard that, you know, she'll ask, I heard this about Christians, or I heard this about Jesus. Is this true? Can you tell me about that? And there's just no pressure. We're not like, let me just give you a whole rundown of the gospel right here. It's just a little bit at a time, just giving her a whiff of what Jesus is all about because she's asking about it. So before we wrap things up, I want to ask you, uh, I know our listeners would love to be praying for you. And are there specific prayer requests that they can be praying for you guys? I think just balancing our lives is just the constant struggle here because we have we have so many kids and they're in different places, different ages. And we're trying to like have our class time and give our time to our kids and give our time as much as possible during language study time to church and relationships there, relationships with other people, just trying to balance our lives is just a hard thing to do day to day. Yeah, just having balance and and scheduling times to rest, have really good rest. You want to keep missionaries on the field, they need to have good rest. You know, we're already seeing missionaries who are leaving who haven't been here that long. It's really hard to see that, see somebody leave, maybe didn't get the rest that they needed. Have you already seen that happen in the two years you've been there? You know, we've met a couple and, you know, they weren't here for very long and now they're on their way back. I mean, other missionaries are on their way back for different reasons. You know, you meet somebody and it's like, okay, you know, we're leaving. Oh, well, I just met you. Well, thank you, Ben. Thanks for letting us know how we can be praying for you and giving us a little bit of a picture of what your ministry is like. Really appreciate it. Thanks for being our guest today. Yeah, you're welcome. You can find out more about Ben and LBIM at LBIM.org. And you can follow Ben's family adventures on their Facebook page, Hoshas in Taiwan. And Mike and I highly recommend it. Right, Mike? Yeah, totally. In fact, two episodes ago, we interviewed Dan Venberg and we actually gave you a shout out in that episode too, because I so appreciate being able to connect with you guys on a personal level immediately. Like you you guys post stuff and immediately because I have my notifications turned on, I get a thing to my phone that says, hey, Ben just posted this. Sometimes joyful. Sometimes we get to hear your kids singing. Sometimes it's a prayer request. I mean, all that stuff is so Mm -hmm. important for us to be a part of what you're going through so that we can stay connected, which is what the Lutheran Brethren is all about. Staying connected, make sure that people feel like they're being prayed for, that they're being encouraged and that you guys aren't alone. You're not, you're not in Taiwan mm-hmm. being expected to do all this stuff by yourself, but you are in Taiwan with the entire backing of the Lutheran brethren behind you guys, prayerfully encouraging you in multiple ways, which is tremendous. Sorry, Ryan, I didn't mean to cut you off on your outro. Well, I had a really brilliant thought here. It's good you interrupted me because it's not very brilliant, but we could create a time paradox. Ben posts on his Facebook page today that he did the podcast with us. And then it's about something that's going to happen in the future for everyone else. Right. But then when it happens in the future, it already happened. Oh, man. My brain just exploded. Even though he's in the future and we're in the past. Okay. Yeah thoroughly confused now. The time paradox works this way. So if you fly to Taiwan, when you leave, you still arrive on the same day. (laughs) 
you leave Taiwan, somehow you just jump seriously into the future, like two days into the future. That's oh, amazing. Crazy. Way cool. Time zones are ridiculous. Okay, now I'm more confused now. Yep. Well, on that note, thank you everyone <laughs> for listening to the show today. Don't forget to subscribe to our show. We'd love it if you share the podcast with a friend or colleague. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye-bye. This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast with Pastor Mike Natal and Dr. Ryan Nilsson. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.